We've been talking uh, since early June about the Holy Spirit. You've heard of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But of the three persons of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit probably is the least understood. Uh, and even the term Holy Spirit, you know, is less uh, sort of self-explanatory than the Son of God and God the Father. Um, and so we've been covering this uh, series about the Holy Spirit and about being filled with the Spirit. I want to be filled with God's Spirit. And I see it in the Bible that that's what God wants. And so I want what He wants in that regard. I want to be filled. It, I don't see limitations on that, except the, those who are filled with the Spirit are those who believe in Christ. But other than that significant limitation, I want all of him that I can get. And I want us to want as much of the Holy Spirit as we can get. Amen? To be filled with him, to be led by him, to be emptied out and filled with what is good and right and not with all that is in the world. I want more of the Holy Spirit. So here's Jesus speaking during the three and a half year ministry of Jesus before his crucifixion and resurrection, here's Jesus speaking at one of the great Jewish feasts of the day. And he says these words, John seven thirty seven. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If any man or woman is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. You're not satisfied? Come to me and drink. You're thirsty for something. You're, you're reaching for something. You might not even know what it is. I'm telling you, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink, Jesus says. This is where you're going to get satisfied. Verse 38. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, from their innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. From their innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Then it says, This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. They hadn't yet, but he was looking ahead a little bit, saying, This is about the Holy Spirit, whom those who believe in him were going to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, had not yet been poured out because Jesus was not yet glorified. When it says that, it means Jesus wasn't yet glorified. He hadn't yet gone to the cross and been resurrected. That was Jesus' glorification. There's an even greater glorification when he ascended and took his place at the right hand of the Father. But in an earthly sense, when it says Jesus being glorified, it's talking about going to the cross to die for humanity, for the sins of the world, and then being buried, and then raising on the third day Amen. from the dead, defeating death, hell, the grave, sin, all of this. He, he wasn't yet glorified, so the Holy Spirit hadn't yet been poured out. Okay, uh, flip over to Acts chapter 1. Here's Jesus post-resurrection. He gathers his disciples together for a period of about 40 days. He's speaking to them. He's ministering to them. It says in chapter, uh, sorry, verse 1, sorry, chapter 1, verse 4, And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, 
But you, my disciples, my followers, those who believe in me, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Skip a couple of verses and it says in verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You, my followers, those who believe in me, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Okay? So he says all of this. He tells them not many days from now, you're going to, the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out. You're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit just as had been said. So back to John chapter chapter 7. He's going to satisfy our need. Was anybody in here thirsty or hungry for something when you came to Christ? Yes. Something was, yeah, you, you needed something. And maybe you couldn't even quite put your finger on it. Something isn't right with the world. And I'm, I'm thirsting for something. I'm hungry for something. I'm not satisfied. And so come to Christ. Jesus says, if any man, woman is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. He satisfies our thirst. He meets our personal, individual need. Thank God. Thank God for that. He met mine in a wonderful way. I knew things were different when I came to him. The thing that I couldn't quite put my finger on got satisfied. Oh, it's just a couple of days ago when the youth went to Playland. Uh, they were a little later than expected. And so I was parked out in front of Playland in the van. And I uh, was sitting reading my Bible. And I opened and I read this verse in Romans chapter 5. One of my favorite verses. Uh, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When I read that again, I sat in the seat of my car and I got as far as we have peace with God. That peace is life transforming. For me, I like, I think pretty common to everybody you find something and here's the thing happening in my life and it it seems to satisfy momentarily and then mm, shortly in it's like eh, no it it that was it it was a momentary thing and so then oh and then oh no it was this i was looking for and and that worked out for just a moment and then no not quite and but when i came to christ and there was peace in my soul That I'm at peace with God, with the one who made it all, who spoke it into existence, the beginning and the end, life, the source of life. You know, we were singing, you are life, alive in me. That's not just, oh, cool, catchy song. No, it's true. He is the source of life. Being separated from him means no life. Being at peace with him or at one with him unity with him, reconciled to him, there's peace. And I thought as I sat there in the van, I thought there are lots of other things in the world that I really like. I 
But without that part, they all kind of are diminished. Like, they, with that in its proper place, peace with God, I'm right with God, all those other things are better. You know, they now are good, they're now satisfying the way they should be in their proper order. But first things first, I need to be at peace with the living God. Because if that's out of order, even the things that are good sort of come up sort of less than what they could be. And you say, oh, well, I've had lots of enjoyable things. And yeah, but I'm, I'm, I guarantee they're better if you're right with God. We, I have peace with God. First things first. He satisfied my need when I came to him. My thirst was met. And it's like, okay, that's in place. Now there are lots of other things. Kind of like Stryker was saying a couple of weeks ago. We have a calling. What now? What next? I'm, I'm right with God, but what now? There are things to follow. But if that part's not in place... We're never satisfied. So here's Jesus saying, come to me, you're thirsty, come to me, get your thirst met. But he doesn't stop there. That's not the end of it. He's From the innermost being of those who believe in him flow rivers of living water. This he spoke regarding the Holy Spirit, who he had promised, who the Father had promised long ago. So we've been talking about this for a few weeks, about being filled with God's Spirit. God wants us to be filled with His Spirit. Amen? Amen. Just say it. God wants me to be filled with His Spirit. God wants me to be filled with His Spirit. Maybe tell somebody next to you. God wants you to be filled with His Holy Spirit. Yeah, He wants to fill us. I'm not twisting his arm to get something great from him and he's reluctant and I'm begging and twisting his arm and somehow, if I do it long enough, God's going to meet the need. No, he wants to fill me with his spirit. He wants to fill you. It's his will that we be filled. It's his will. Do you believe that? It's his will. I, I... Please believe that. Because it's true. God wants you to be filled and flowing with His Holy Spirit. He wants that. John, I I want to turn quickly and read a few verses from John chapter um, 14. Well, actually, I'll just skip ahead and read these ones from 16. Um, uh, John, sorry, yeah, John 16, 7 says this. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage, this is Jesus speaking, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper, which is the Holy Spirit, shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, Jesus isn't leaving it in doubt, when he comes, will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He flip over and he says this in uh, verses 20 and 22, uh, sorry, of the same chapter. Uh, No, I'm in the wrong place. I went too far. Oh, uh, verse 13. Uh, When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he's going to come, he will guide you into all the truth. When he does that, when he comes, it's... It's God's will that he do that. Then over in Acts chapter 2, where just a little bit ahead of where we were reading a second ago, Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost about 
what had just taken place among the disciples, saying to them that Christ has died for their sins, risen from the grave because the grave couldn't hold him. And it says the people were pierced to the heart and said, what do we have to do to be saved? Peter says this, um, repent, uh, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children. And for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. You shall receive. It's not an iffy thing. He's saying, these texts leave no doubt that God will send the Holy Spirit. And even, you go a little further in the book of Acts, God has sent his Spirit to us. Amen? Hold your hands out right now and say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit even now. Oh, man. Okay, being filled with the very Spirit of God sounds like something we should all want, right? We should all want that if we're believers. But is being filled with the Spirit an end in itself? Is that we just get filled with the Spirit and now we're fulfilled being filled? That's just it. No, it isn't. We just read that the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we receive power... To be Christ's witnesses. There's something else he wants us to do. But even that. Last week we looked at Peter's first sermon in the book of Acts in chapter 2. We looked at Peter's first sermon where he quotes an 800 year old prophecy. They say, what is going on? All these people speaking in languages that you know they don't even know. They're all from Galilee. But they're speaking the mighty works of God in other languages. And he quotes an 800-year-old prophecy that promises that God will pour out His Spirit on all nations, on women and men, young and old, and they will prophesy. They'll proclaim the truth. He quotes that. They will bear witness to the glory of Jesus Christ and what He's done to reconcile people to God. Okay, we... We talked about that last week and the courage we need to be prophetic people who are like that. That we proclaim the glory of Christ so that others can believe like these people did. We, we declared his, uh, Peter's, the prophecy he quoted where it says, you'll be prophetic people. And I, I know we're sitting in here today and we're saying, I don't really totally understand what a prophetic person is. He said, you'll prophesy. Part of that simply means preaching the gospel, sharing what Christ did. He went to the cross, he died for our sins, he rose again on the third day so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God the Father. Done. That's like a prophecy right there, saying it to people. We talked a little bit about how prophecy has been... When you hear that term, prophecy, it sounds like something that's down the road, right? It sounds... Sometimes it can sound like something for the future. But when he says they'll prophesy, he doesn't mean they're just talking about future events. He, as as is often seen in the Bible, prophets weren't just speaking about the future always. They were speaking about... A reality that wasn't seen to the naked eye. They could see, just like Jesus walking around, he was constantly declaring the kingdom of God. 
And they're looking around like, kingdom of God, what is that? Are they, is he talking about Israel? Is he ta- no, he's talking about the kingdom of God. Another, I don't even want to say another reality, part of reality that is unseen to people in the world. When you tell somebody your sins have been forgiven in Christ, in a way, you are prophetically declaring what is true in the unseen realm. Because they look and say, oh, Ryan, your sins are forgiven. You're the same guy you always were. Whether you were forgiven or not. You know, we can't tell whether that is actually true. But you know that reality, just like I did that night I came to Christ, and I had the peace of God come in. I knew what reality was now. My sins have actually been blotted out. They're not held against me. I couldn't prove it to anybody, but I know it's reality now. And here's like the story I shared last week where Elisha is saying to his servant, while he prays, he says, God, open my servant's eyes so he can see. Here's an army all around their city. And Elisha very calmly says, I don't worry about it. There's more with us than there are against us. His servant is like, huh? There's an army out there. And, you know, we've got, let me see, you and me, the cat. You know, like, what? You know, what else have we got? What are you talking about? And Elisha just says, God, open his eyes. His eyes are opened. The the city, it says, was surrounded with horses and chariots. He prays, and all of a sudden they see horses and chariots of fire surrounding a whole other army. It was there all the time. Just another element of reality that they couldn't see, but the prophet could see it. And that's us. We're seeing something. We will prophesy. We'll declare what's true and real, that Jesus Christ has come to die for people to so that we can be reconciled to God. And people say, oh, I, I don't re- really know if I can believe that. Well, before a prophet declares reality, he has to see it or hear it. And so we need to be people that are seeing and hearing what's true and real in the spirit realm, what's true and real in this other layer of reality that the Holy Spirit opens to us, that relationship with Christ opens to us. Amen? So we get this. You know, I I thought of this last week. You know, the Elisha says, open his eyes so that he can see. Elisha's calm, and he's surrounded by an army. I read this um, a couple of years ago. One guy says, Here's Elisha. He's calm in the face of an army. His servant is all anxious. Somebody wrote and said, if you can keep your head when everybody around you is losing theirs, it might just be that you haven't fully grasped the situation, which is funny. Or, as a believer, maybe you have fully grasped it. It looks like Elisha's crazy. He he doesn't see what's out there, maybe. You know, he was getting older. Maybe his vision wasn't as good anymore. No, his vision was greater. And he saw. We, as prophetic people, need to keep getting filled with the Spirit so we can see. So we can see what's true and real. Jesus points out, he speaks about one of the things the Holy Spirit will do is he will guide us into all the truth. He'll reveal the truth to us. He'll make known to us the things that are true and real in the spirit realm. He will do that for us so that we can then 
in the proper time, declare them so that we can live in the light of those things. So let's answer the call to be God's prophetic people. Amen? Amen. To see and hear by the Holy Spirit and then to proclaim as necessary. So we need to be continually filled. Even the language of this saying, from your innermost being or out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He doesn't just say, in John chapter 7, you're going to be a reservoir. God's going to fill you up, and there you'll just keep that, and you'll have a whole bunch, and it'll be stored up. No, it's going to keep flowing from you, which seems to suggest that we could get depleted, right? We could get depleted. Something's pouring through us. It could be used up. But it's living water flowing like a river, not a reservoir, not a pond. Not You know, you, you read in the Bible about the Dead Sea. It's a place, it's actually the place where Sodom and Gomorrah, part of that is buried under that sea. But it's a place where water flows in, but it doesn't flow out. And the salt content or the mineral content of that sea is so high. Has anybody here ever been to the Dead Sea? I know uh, people go there and they, if you've ever seen photos of it, there are salt um, deposits that come up even above the water level. And they're just there because the mineral content is so high. But it stinks because water comes in, it stagnates, it sits there. And there's this mineral deposit. It's not flowing out. Any lake you find around here, water's flowing into it. And on the other end, somewhere, water's flowing out of it. So it stays fresh. Otherwise, we call it a swamp. And it stinks. It's, it's not, you wouldn't want to drink it. Um, so here's this thing where we've got from us water flowing. That's why it's called living water. It's not dead, stagnant water. Where is it flowing to? Personally, the Holy Spirit is flowing through us to to do different things in our lives. If if you've got your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 8 for just a second. I want to just point out a few of the things that it says the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's here to do in our lives individually. Verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit. He gives life to our mortal body. Healing. I'm trusting and believing God to give life to our mortal bodies. That's what he does to us personally. If by the spirit, he says, if you're living according to the flesh, verse 13, if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit... You are putting to death the deeds of the body you will live. What does that mean, the deeds of the body? It means if you are putting to death, that's the sinful desires that are awake in you. By the Spirit, you're putting those things to death. The Spirit helps us deal with our sin life. Thank God. How many need some help dealing with sin, with addiction, with tendencies that are less than Christ-like. Okay, for the four of you that raised your hands, uh, he's going to help. No, he, we all need help in that struggle. And the Holy Spirit comes to help us 
put to death those deeds of the body. All who are being led, verse 14, all who are being led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And then he says, verse 16, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I need that. I need help believing that, oh yes, I'm really your child. I'm not just convincing myself. The Holy Spirit is is doing it. These are some of the things the Holy Spirit does in us personally. We need that personal work of the Spirit in our lives. He bears witness that these things are true. Last Sunday, Pastor Mel, after I finished preaching, he gave us a challenge, uh, an exhortation, which is really an encouragement, even though there's a sharpness to it, an encouragement that... If our beliefs and what we think about following Christ and about God, if our beliefs are in some way divorced from our behavior and how we live, uh, our lived experience will never be what we actually desire. We come up short and we can say, oh, I believe the Bible and I believe these things and this is all great and wonderful. But if it isn't being worked out in our lives, at some point that discrepancy just becomes something that you, is, you can't live with. I can't live with that. That's never the will of God that we believe one thing but we do another. God believes, says, does, desires all the same. There's no discrepancy, and he desires for each of us to be just like him. Amen? Amen. Yes. We, we, we think one way, we speak the same, we act the same. Our desires, God, help me with my desires because they're not there yet. But he's continuing to work and to, you know, take off rough edges and make us consistent and faithful and unified in all that we are, just like he is. That's his That's his desire. He wants to do that in us personally. However, beyond just the personal need again, him satisfying our desire, there's an indispensable outflow of the Spirit that accomplishes God's will through us. Not just in us, but through us. From your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Not just for you, but for those around you. How many want to answer the call and have God work through you? Oh, man. I don't... I don't think we can be fully satisfied if we just try to be filled with the Spirit and keep it to ourselves. We won't be fully satisfied. We have to... Let the Holy Spirit flow from us to other people, to someone else. I want to invite Michael up. He's going to share a testimony for us. Oh, I just realized. About this very thing. And I'm going to stay here in case he goes long, because then I'm going to... Um, yeah, so Pastor John and myself were having lunch on Thursday, and I was just sharing a little bit of my personal testimony with him. Um, it's amazing how, you know, he was planning this message and this personal testimony that I shared kind of fit into this whole um, message today. So um, what happened was I'd heard 
heard the, the gospel, and two years later from hearing that gospel, I came to Christ. And I wanted to go and meet the pastor who I'd heard share his testimony, which was what led me to Christ two years later. And so I'd gone to his office to meet him for the first time, and I'd walked into the office, and he was very happy to meet me, and I wanted to share with him the testimony about how his testimony had saved my life. And he said, you know what, Michael, it's really nice to meet you, and I'd love to hear that, but I'm on my way out to the, to the streets in Surrey to minister to the homeless and to the addicted, and uh, would you like to come out to Surrey with me and share it, that testimony out there for everyone? And I was like, okay. And then instantly in my head I was like, what did I just agree to? And I was like, okay, I've never spoken in public in my life, in front of anybody. I was deathly afraid of it as well. Um, and I didn't know exactly what to say. Um, and then when he said share a testimony, I was even at a point in my Christianity what I knew a testimony was, other than I was there just to share a story. And I didn't know what a testimony was. So anyways, <clears throat> I get in my car and I start following these basically strangers out into the middle of Surrey to do something I've never done before. And I'll be honest, there's a few times I wanted to turn off and just say, uh, made a wrong turn, got lost, and you know, I was so full of fear to do this. Um, so we got there, and there was about 120 people that were there, and we were feeding people, and uh, we were singing songs, and then um, my mind is just going, where do I start, where do I start, what do I say, what do I say, I don't know what to say. Um, and at the moment that the pastor decided to introduce me to share my testimony, my mind just went completely blank like blank, and I was like, Lord, please, 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 please help me, Lord, help me. And at the exact moment my mouth opened, my testimony began to come out like I'd never shared it before. It was almost so surreal that I was standing beside myself listening to what was being said. Um, as I was sharing this testimony, I could feel literally the Holy Spirit moving through me in such a way that I had literally made eye contact with the one person in that crowd that that message was meant for. And tears began to stream down his face. And I knew right then, God was telling me, that is the man that this was meant for. And after the message was done, I went over and I'd never led anybody to Christ before in my entire life. And here I am leading a man to Christ who ended up being a powerful part of our ministry for many years afterwards. Um, so it's amazing what God will do. Um, and as I left that place, I'd never been so high in my life. And I was an addict for 22 years. I chased that high. Didn't realize that the high that I was looking for was the high of being used by God, the Holy Spirit movement inside of you. So when I got home from that, the next day I was just, you know, explaining it to my pastor. And he said to me, uh, oh, so you know what it's like now, right? And I kind of said, what's that? And he said, there's no high like the most high. The one thing that you were chasing all your life is, is that feeling. He said, I get it all the time when God uses me in a powerful way to share a message or to speak to someone or to pray for someone. Um, and that wasn't the first time that God began to use me. And literally every week since then, I've been um, sharing my, my testimony. And every week in some way, God used me. Sometimes it's not such a powerful way that many people get saved. But every week he never lets me down he uses me in some way if it's just a small word for someone or a prayer or if it's just you know sharing my, my testimony in front of hundreds of people he always never lets me down amen That's awesome. amen brother that's um the i want to close with that thought connected to this is We've been asking for a few weeks now for God to fill us up. I hope we continue to do that for the rest of our lives. Yes. Since 
this word has been sort of raised for the last month. I've been praying several times a day. Whenever I think of it, God, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. He says, ask and keep asking. Be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to be. And I'm asking him. And I'm believing that God is actually answering that prayer. He wants to fill us up. It's his will. But there's also this part from John 7. And it's shown all through the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit flows out of us. He flows in and fills, but from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Again, Jesus says, come to me and drink. But then on top of that, he doesn't just satisfy us. He keeps flowing out to satisfy others. And we get more satisfied, like Michael's testimony. What I loved about it was when he was giving out He got more filled up. And you see it in the book of Acts that Peter is on the day of Pentecost. He preaches. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he preaches. 3,000 people come to faith. And then within a very short time, he and John are going into the temple. There's a guy who's lame, hasn't walked beside one of the gates going in. The guy thinks, oh, they're going to give him some spare change. Instead, he says, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Okay, I like that. I want to do a little more of that. And the guy stands up, goes into the temple. Everybody knows him. They recognize him. They're all celebrating. Peter uses the opportunity to prophesy again. And he gets filled up. He tells them. This is no piety on my part. This is no power or great thing that I am. But this is about Jesus. He points them to Jesus again. Then, while he's preaching mid-sermon, the leaders, the religious leaders, send their temple guard and they arrest Peter, throw him in jail overnight, uh, him and John. He comes out in the morning, (laughs) you know, and they're trying to find a way to, you know, kind of... Uh, you know, stamp these guys out. They said, hey, we don't want you telling anybody about Jesus. We already told you that, but you're going around filling the city. And what happens? They can't, they can only do so much because, boy, like they say, a notable miracle has taken place. So Peter preaches, heals a, uh, gets filled up, heals a, a lame guy, preaches, gets filled up, gets thrown in jail, preaches to the leaders goes back to the church, tells them the testimony. It says the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. The place was shaken. They all got filled. And they preached even more boldly. And then they go out and it just keeps going and going and going. And actually, it intensifies. Because as Acts goes along, you see it written that in the towns where Peter would go to preach, even his shadow, people would put lame people beside so that even if his shadow touched them, They were getting healed. Now, some would say, I don't believe that. I do. God is still doing some amazing things like that today. I'm not seeing enough of it, but I want to. And I'm believing that God wants to more. More and more and more and more. The point, we get filled up, we pour out. We get filled up more, we pour out. And it keeps going, this infilling, outflowing cycle. Infilling, outflowing And then 
even to a greater degree, an intensifying degree, infilling, outflowing, more and more and more. So that later, you go through the book of Acts, I mean, Peter is doing all the same things that Jesus did, that he saw Jesus do. Same kinds of things, raising the dead, healing the sick, with a shadow, all these kinds of things. So, how many want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And how many want the Holy Spirit to flow out of you and touch others? So that not just you're satisfied, but others are satisfied. Let's pray. God, I feel like this is crammed in in this time. And I feel like there's been a rush to say all of this this morning. And yet, we want to take just a moment to wait before you and ask that you'd pour out your spirit. You know in this room who is open to being filled right now. And I pray that right now you'd give opportunity for even those that might be reserved or closed up to open up, to receive your Holy Spirit. We want the infilling and the outflowing. And we ask today, just ask with me, just say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Pray this, say, God, cause the Spirit to flow from my innermost being. To satisfy the needs of others as well. To minister to the needs of others. In Jesus' great name. Holy Spirit, uh, you're never confined, you're never limited. You're able to go past defenses and barriers and the insulation we put around our lives to, um, yeah, for one reason or another. I pray that in this room right now, you'd penetrate those things and move mightily in the lives of each of us, that we would not be ones who believe one thing but live another way. We don't want that disconnect, God. We don't want to be detached We don't want our faith and our behavior detached from one another. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the people in this room. As our heads are bowed and we're just in that place of prayer, I want to give an invitation. If you, no one's looking around in this place right now, If you recognize that you need Christ, that you've never surrendered your heart to him, you've never received forgiveness for your sins, perhaps you've never even recognized till now that you have sin, but you do, and Christ has come, gone to the cross to pay for those sins, then risen from the grave, so that you can have new life in relationship with God. 
If you've never heard that and never responded to it, I want to give you an opportunity in here today. If you want to respond and say, Jesus, I want to be forgiven, I want you to just raise your hand for a second and I want to pray with you. If you need forgiveness, just go ahead and raise your hand. Good. And now I'm just going to lead a prayer. We're going to pray it together. And for you specifically, this is your moment of being reconciled to God. Let's just pray together. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to the cross to pay the price for my sins so I can be forgiven and reconciled to you. Thank you for the resurrection that makes possible new everlasting life for me. I accept the sacrifice of Christ for me and claim him as my Lord and Savior today. Congratulations. That's God's way of opening the door and saying, welcome, daughter. Welcome, son. Now, Father, I pray you'd pour out the Holy Spirit and fill each one that just prayed that prayer in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Make this week, this day and this week, like no other prior to it, God. In our midst. I pray as we go from here today that you would do what your word says. From our innermost being would flow rivers of living water. That we would be sources of life all over this city where we find ourselves in our homes with people we know on the streets in stores with people we don't know everywhere that we find ourselves God in Jesus name make your people here today a source of life amen